NBA Finals Game 1. The suns are shining. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Welcome to Basketballers. Game 1 of the 2021 NBA Finals is in the books. The Phoenix Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, face off in a seven-game series to see who the best in the NBA is. It's great. It's drama. It's the best thing ever. It's basketball. And honestly, my biggest complaint about the playoffs is that it takes two fucking months to get here. So thank God we're finally (laughs) at the mecca and the culmination and the apex of the season. Even as a basketball fan, yes, it takes a long time. And I love the NBA. I love watching the NBA. And part of me is like, Okay, this can be shorter. I can do without this much playoff basketball. My idea is this is and this is to me at the very least what should happen. The first two rounds should be five game rounds, best yep. of five. Love it. And then the conference finals and NBA finals can be best of seven. I, I think that's fair. You could even go a little more extreme and do the first round be a best of three, but I think that's kind of hard to sell. Um, you could have the first three rounds be best of five, but then conference finals also have a huge um, I mean, it's that's who goes to the finals out of your conference, and so I think you could argue that that should still be seven games. I think that's a fair compromise. Right, yeah, and I, I do like keeping the finals and conference finals at seven games. Just I'm big on just the historical aspect of things, too. Sure, but historically it used to be five games for at least the first round, if not the first two, I think. It was back in the day. I think you're right, but I mean, even just the more recent history, it's always been seven. You know, because there, then there are things like who has the most playoff points. Well, your playoff points are going to get cut by a little bit if the first few rounds are only seven-game series instead of five. So it does have some ripple effect in the scoring books. That being said, sometimes series are just decided pretty quickly anyway. You know, if it's a four-game instead of three-game series, if you're sweeping them, that's not a huge difference, but I think it's a needed change. I think historically the the points per playoff game, you know, or whatever is, it's fine. Yeah. And I'm, I'm the opposite of you. I don't really give a shit about the whole historical stuff. Cause I think whatever, whatever they could do to make the game more accessible, just better content. And the playoffs is so long. Your casual fan just knocks out. They see the first round and they're like, Oh, there's all these games being played. Cool. Fun, fun, fun. Well, Different game every day, multiple games every day. And the players are getting worn down too. That's, that's the other thing. So, anyway, but um, back to the game. Yeah, I mean, the, the casual fan is like, didn't the playoffs start two months ago? And you're like, and you're like yeah. Yes. So, actually, <laughs> well, there's this play-in tournament, which isn't really the playoffs, but it's kind of the playoffs, and you know I'm watching it. And he's just getting this whole thing, and you're like, so three months later, we're at the finals. And... And I'm going to spill a little bean here on the pod because no one really cares, but Paul has a new girlfriend. And Paul's girlfriend is (laughs) super nice and great. Shout out. But Paul's girlfriend, so like my wife, we've been together for 10 years. It'll be 11 years this year, um, dating and married. But she's used to my basketball craziness. She's used to it. She's like, she gets that I, during the playoffs, I kind of like focus. I mean, you know, obviously still focus on the family, but I focus on playoffs and she's like okay matt's gonna be watching basketball x amount of nights a week yada 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 she's used to it 
Paul's girlfriend is not. And so it's every round. It's like, <laughs> okay, so they're done, right? And it's like, well, well. And, you know, Paul's an Atlanta Hawks fan, so they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost. But then she's like, okay, so, she's like, so you're done, so you're done basketball with basketball, now. right? And it's like, well, no. Well. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always something more because then it's like, okay, so now you're done with basketball. And it's like. Well, so I'm gonna, give, I'm, gonna give my, <laughs> I'm gonna give my wife a huge shout out because she puts up with my shit. So yeah, thank you. You're great. Shout, shout out to Matt's wife. Yeah, she's she's pretty cool. And my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, it's way too fucking long. But let's talk about game one. Kind of like, like our intro there. <laughs> yeah, game one was a good game. The big new the big storyline was Giannis Antetokounmpo had a Really, really bad. Um, I, I would not watch it. Hyper-extended hyper knee in the series against Atlanta. Anyway, I can't. Be- he played game one. I can't fucking believe he played game and, one. Frankly, he, I think it was a bad decision. I was saying that all night with Paul. And um, he looked okay, too. He did. He didn't even look crazy I, hobbled. Yeah, but I... Okay, first of all... Well, so I saw this great uh, I saw this great meme on Twitter where it was like, "This is what Giannis's knee looks like on the inside." It was just Al Pacino from Scarface and a face full of cocaine. Like <laughs> the amount of drugs that are in his knee is probably could probably kill a horse. Like he's obviously the 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 training staff, the medical staff obviously has something figured out. But here's the deal. <laughs> It's going to come out in the offseason. They're like, uh, yeah, so by the way. Well, Giannis is like, what, 27? I mean. 26, I believe. Anyway, he's he's not that old. He still has a lot of NBA left. And I hope that it's not a big issue. And I hope he can play. The, the best case scenario is that you're okay and you play. I would much rather, and this is selfish from an NBA fan's perspective, see him rest and be good for next season rather than Reaggravate it because the, a hyperextended knee is absolutely no joke. Knee injuries Any, are no joke. Yeah, anything with a knee, it's it can be really bad, and it could be to the point where if he reaggravates it, I'm not trying to jinx anything or wish anything on him because I actually knock, don't. Knock on wood, everyone. Yeah, everyone should be healthy. But if he reaggravates it, it could be like a torn something or something that takes like 18 months to come back from, and that is the absolute worst case scenario. And to me, the worst worst case scenario for the Bucks is. They lose the finals. He tears something, and they're like, fuck. Right. There is no more next year in that case. Now you're looking at next, next year. Cause Which not- you have an aging Drew Holiday who is still great. Chris Middleton is in his early 30s. You talk about injuries with those two. What do you do? That's a that's yeah, like worst-case Bro- scenario panic button for the Bucks. Right. Brooke Lopez is now not under contract anymore. And he's getting older. But Giannis is someone who relies on athleticism. He's all, I mean, running, jumping, and he's got crazy amounts of athleticism. Which is why when I see, like, Chris Paul, who's out there with, like, you know, two different hand injuries and a shoulder injury, I'm like, I mean, it's not great. He's old, but at the same time, his game does not rely on athleticism at all. Right. And someone like, I always think back to Jamal Murray. Yeah. Who has, Jamal Murray has a lot of athleticism, but it's not the explosive athleticism, if that makes any sense. It's, like, Jamal Murray is a lot of, balance and poise and being able to control himself and it looks casual but it's well, like, not like it's, Trey it's Young crazy is athletic. athletic but he's quick and he's not like yes i mean yeah but but it's a player like a Trey young or a Giannis, where if you tear an acl right. and you lose your explosiveness you lose that ability to go around your defender 
that becomes a problem. Well, here's the other problem with Giannis, obviously, where there are other explosive players, like your LeBron James, Kevin Durant, people like that, Anthony Davises, yep. who, no offense, are more skilled. I mean, right, they, they have, can all shoot the three. They have a thing called a jump shot. Yeah, so that's where Giannis, I mean, I I want... And, look, well, that's, that's Chris Paul, as you were just talking right. about, too. I want Giannis to be healthy for the rest of his career. I want all NBA players to be healthy. I mean, again, we've, we've talked about this before. The yeah. ideal situation is everybody's healthy, you see the best of the for, best, right? Forever and In ever. general, yep. yeah. So... Um, I, I wish Giannis nothing but the best. I hope Absolutely. he's going to be no, okay. We, Shout we are, out to we are not, we are not trying to jinx him. No, in any no, way. no. Um, <laughs> even though our teams are not in the finals, we still want everyone to be healthy and come back next year. Cause there's, you always want your team to win against everyone else just because your players are better. You don't, you don't want it to be like, Oh, there's an asterisk cause someone got hurt. Right. People always say that. First of all, there is no asterisk. If someone gets hurt, that's just. The nature of the game. Yeah, I just want to point out, yeah, I want to piggyback on what Paul just said and say that whoever wins the, the championship this year is the champion. They're not the worst champion of all time. They're not the whatever. They're an NBA champion. They're the best in the world. Right. Okay? I, I, I refuse. We, we've played way too much basketball here to have an asterisk yeah, after it. It's, it's just not fair. Like, yeah, LeBron went down, but I'm sorry. Like, the Lakers, just because LeBron James is on the Lakers doesn't mean they were guaranteed to win the championship anyway. And frankly... Right. I don't want to go on a whole Laker tangent, but very, very short synopsis. It's probably the best thing for the Lakers that they didn't even compete really this year and that LeBron was hobbled and AD was obviously really injured. Get more time to rest, come back next year. More time to rest, come back next year, and they have expiring contracts and probably a lot of really good vets on the market for them, potential sign-in trades, potential trades that they could make work in the offseason to have a really improved roster and come back better next year. I think that's the ideal thing for them. So, right. I mean, but yeah, you see a lot of people who are bitter that their team didn't make it. And well, if we had so and so, or if you know if Jamal Murray was healthy, and um, you can make a fair argument for the for the Nuggets that if Jamal Murray was healthy, they might be in the finals. But Phoenix is a damn good team, a damn damn yeah. damn and, damn good team. And they had Dario Sarge goes out, who is a role player, but still looks like a non-contact knee injury. It didn't. It's an ACL. They announced today. I didn't. He see tore that. an ACL. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's too bad. And, and shout that, out to him because that that's going to be that rough. Been but, the guess. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's that just sucks to make it to the NBA Finals and in your first minute of gameplay, you tear an ACL. Like, you've played how many thousands of minutes of basketball? Fine. And you finally get here. You finally the pinnacle of basketball, and you tear your ACL. But I also want to shout out the Bucks to getting to the finals because here's the deal. Uh, Atlanta wasn't expected to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but Atlanta is also a damn good team. Underrated all year, as we've said. Um, but, you, you know, the Bucks beat the Nets, and you can say the Asterix that they didn't have Kyrie, they didn't have James Harden for the most time, which is maybe a fair argument, but... It is. I mean, I I think given a fully healthy Nets team, they beat the Bucks, but... But they didn't. The Bucks still went out there and competed and won. Right. And that's... That's what counts. You can't be like, oh, if they played in February a seven-game series. Well, they didn't. You know, it's just it's sort of the situation of it. It's the nature of it. Maybe next year the Nets get lucky with a break of their own. Maybe they're trying to go through Philly and Embiid is hurt and they just coast right through. I also or think something. the Nets' lucky break next year is that they're just all healthy and they choose to play together. <laughs> I think right. That, well, yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's, that is that's the that Nets' is true, lucky but, break. But like, you could go back to basically any title run. Yeah. And be like, oh, well, that one's lucky because that opponent was hurt. No. 
There are no asterisks. Even the bubble last year. No asterisk to me. Well. All the teams competed. And here's the deal. Laker fans, who are the most fucking annoying on Twitter, <laughs> you don't hear them talking about an asterisk of the bubble. They, they take the championship. Oh, yeah. I mean, they take all the Minnesota Laker championships, too. Yeah, that's a... Uh, <laughs> but, but no, that's the thing. Like, if you play a seven-game series, you win. There, that's just too much basketball to call it a small sample size. Right. You've, you've won. I, I do want to say for the Giannis thing. This reminds me a lot of the Joel Embiid situation this year. Yes. Where Embiid's playing on a torn meniscus. And if he does anything to that knee, it's fucked. Thankfully, he was good through the Atlanta series. Hopefully, shout out to Joel Embiid. Hopefully, he gets healthy in the offseason. Yep. Because he was an MVP runner-up. Extremely talented player. His problem's always been staying on the court. He's a top 10 player easily. Top just, 5 potentially. Just being healthy. Yeah. But... That was, it was kind of scary to watch him because Embiid also falls down a lot. He's he's one of the the fall down players. One of the Anthony Davis prodigies. Yep, we we really need to make a ranking of that sometime. The top five like most frequent fallers in the yeah NBA. I like that the most frequent fallers yeah <laughs> the frequent faller miles yeah <laughs> there you go Paul that's good that's good I'm proud of you Paul that's a good one we need to do that but whenever he fell you're always like oh no. Or if he dunked it and kind of came down a little weird, yeah. you're like, is that neat? like, did we just witness the end of his career? And I felt that a little with Giannis last night, where you just, you know, it's not 100%. And if he dunks and lands slightly wrong, or someone else accidentally hits his knee, and is he just done? Also, like Joel Embiid, although the announcers didn't talk it up as much as they did when they were calling the Philly series with Atlanta, in the second half of the game, Giannis it, didn't do much. He well, didn't attack the rim like he did the first that, half. That's a very good point. He rebounded second, pretty well, but he's a good rebounder anyway. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, whatever. But he, like, yeah, he's also seven foot tall with like eight foot wingspan or something. An, again, he's he's a, they, call, they don't call him the Greek freak for nothing. I mean, yeah. that's that is what it is. And and I, I mean, Giannis is probably one of the most impressive physical specimen who's played the game of basketball. I would even argue, and this may be a hot take, but I mean, like physically, what he can do. Is probably on par, maybe even a little better than Prime LeBron. I mean, he's like, in Prime I mean, LeBron, if, it's great. No disrespect to LeBron, but like, and LeBron has more skill. That's the thing. Right, I was um, gonna say, yeah, if we're taking skill into no, account. No, I'm, I'm talking pure athleticism, pure yeah. athleticism. Because I've seen Giannis play. Um, I saw him play a preseason game. My wife and I went to a preseason game in Ames, Iowa, which is where Iowa State plays, um, Iowa State Cyclones, and it was against the Timberwolves. And I saw Giannis play in person, and holy shit. Yeah. When you see those guys in person, it's just like, oh, fuck, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's not even fair. He's insane. He's in, like, he's in, I've seen LeBron play in person. I saw him play when he was at the Heat against Chicago in the playoffs in, like, 2013 at the United Center. He's amazing to watch, and, like, Giannis is amazing to watch. Okay, I just, I just thought of this. Top of my head. Hear me out. Giannis is a Dwight Howard who can dribble. Bad take. You're not wrong. <laughs> he's a more he's a more impressive. You're, I still think he's a better athletic specimen than Dwight Howard. Your though. face is it, it looks like you're about to just rip well, me we, one for no, me. No, we talk wrong. so much shit about Dwight Howard, so I think that's the Well, thing. no, I, I mean personality aside, but Dwight Dwight Howard believes he can shoot but can't. Takes a long time on free throws and misses. 
and mainly dunks the ball. Doesn't have a great post repertoire. But Giannis is a better athlete, I would still say. Prime Dwight was a hell of an athlete. I don't disagree, but But I still think... How about this? Giannis has been a better athlete for a longer period of time. Yes. Okay. I was... Right. When you're talking about freak athletes of the last 10, 15 years, Dwight Howard's definitely on that list. For sure. For sure. Peak Dwight. And so it just made me think of Giannis, and I'm like, they actually are more similar than I kind of thought. No, I just had that. Yeah, I had this kind of sour face. It wasn't at what you, it wasn't disagreeing with what you said. It was like, oh shit, you're kind of right. Kind, it's is this like a Dwight Howard who can dribble? But also, Giannis is a much better personality than Dwight Howard. So. Oh yeah, no, this is, this is not <laughs> like this is not a personality. Ends, yeah, comparison. the comparison ends at your physic is at the oh, physicality yeah. of it. But yeah. Anyway. No, in basketball style. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so back, <laughs> no. I guess, but anyway. Um, so it's not a, not a personality contest. Before we go into the game, I know there's been one game played, but I already, so before the series, I don't remember if we talked together about this, but I've had a prediction for the series. Yeah. Do you have one? Yeah. Okay. I think we maybe agreed on it. No, you said Suns and Five. So I say Suns and Five. I said Suns and Six just because it's the finals and... I kind of expect it to go six games. It's rare for a finals to be a four or five game series. But it does happen. It does happen. The NBA would not be happy as an organization if a Suns-Bucks finals just got swept. That's not great for I don't think it'll be swept, rankings. but based on the game last night, a little foreshadowing. Um, it, so here, here's my caveat. If the Suns win game two, I feel really good about my five-game prediction. Because I think they'll, I think yeah. they'll pick up one in Milwaukee and then they'll close it at home. If the Suns have an opportunity to close it in five, I don't in, think they're going to let it go. In Phoenix. In Phoenix, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, my Suns in six is them closing it out in Milwaukee. Exactly. And that's basically, I mean, Suns in six is basically predicated on Milwaukee taking game two in Phoenix. It's not entirely that. It's them taking at least two of the first four. So whether it's their home two games sure, could also be a possibility, but it goes back 2-2 in a Phoenix. Phoenix then wins game five. Sure. And then they just win game six. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just also think that if these Bucks, especially with a potentially hobbled Giannis, go down 0-2. It's tough. It's going to be tough. I think there's a rebound game in there for sure, and a lot of it's on Chris Middleton. Like if Chris Middleton gets hot and sustains his – hot streak and when we say hot we're talking like you rub your glasses you're like is that michael jordan like 1993 mj on the screen or something so paul and i were talking about this last night so well i guess why don't we get into the game and we can talk about whatever because we have some chris middleton takes but the milwaukee bucks and the phoenix suns played last night the phoenix suns won do you have the score up yes so phoenix won 118 to 105 and it honestly wasn't that close. Like it, it got a little close in the fourth quarter. It got, by score, but it, just, it it never felt that close. It felt like no, you're right. I mean the it never felt that close until there was a moment in that fourth quarter. I think it was like with eight seven minutes left. It felt close for about thirty seconds, and then it, it got within the Suns were like it got within six, ten. I think it got within six. It was in the single digits. But then the Suns were like, okay, well, fuck so, this. <laughs> so, so what if we just score a few buckets and then it went back to like a 13-point lead and that's just how it ended. So 
Let's start with the Bucks, and we can break down their side of the ball because I want to save the Suns for last. Um, so here's the deal. I don't think this is great for the Bucks because they like each of their players didn't play terribly. The the guy who really disappointed last night um, was Drew Holiday. Yeah, Drew. He only had ten points, nine assists is good, seven rebounds is good, but ten points. And he shot on, four, uh, four for fourteen. Four for fourteen. That's bad. Including, so including zero for four from three. That's just right. It's not good. He'll be better. But Chris Middleton had 29 points last night. Shot yeah. 46% from the field, which is good. 41% from three. Um, yeah. He, had seven rebounds, four assists. And he, I mean, he made some tough-looking shots. He had some nice moves. It wasn't quite the hot Chris Middleton game. No, but it was a good Chris Middleton game. But it was, game. it was a good Chris Middleton game. So Chris Middleton, like we were just talking about, um, it's funny because Paul and I have talked about Chris Middleton for years because we have always had a lot of respect for him, especially on the Bucks. Um, Paul's a huge Chris Middleton fan. I am as well, and I think he's a great player. Love Super Chris underrated Middleton. in the league. I, he reminds yeah. me – the way that he is underrated reminds me of how Clay Thompson has been underrated. Um, well, and it, he's kind of like Clay in that he's streaky. Yeah. Clay, so, Clay is less streaky. Well, so here's the weird thing. Chris Middleton, I feel like, used to be a little more consistent. Like, consistent 20-23-point-a-night score – but, but but his high now is higher than his high then. But I think his low is also lower. Exactly. He has become fairly recently, I think. Because I feel like we watch enough NBA. Within it, the last two years. Last couple of years, he's become really streaky. But, like, yeah, like his low games, he's chucking up shots that just hit the front of the rim that look like shit. But then his high games, you're like, I mean, seriously, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? He, is this Kevin looks, Durant? Is this Michael Jordan? He I mean, looks like... If you just showed his highlights from some games to a casual fan, they'd be like, so he's the best in the league, right? You know who it kind of reminds me of when he got hot? It's Tracy McGrady. Okay. That's kind of who it reminds me of. I like that. I think it's actually a good comp, too, because they're yeah. fairly similar size. Yeah. But yeah, you show, you show some Tracy McGrady highlights to someone, and they're like, so he's the greatest of all time? And you're like, well... <laughs> Not quite. Times you look like it, though. Yeah. I mean, but Tracy it, McGrady was one of those players who, when he got hot, it was like... But at times, fuck. yeah. At times, he would look like it. And that's... And so this is kind of actually a odd Chris Middleton game because it's more middle of the road for him. Well, it was like... I think... I mean, he came on in the third quarter. That is true. Yeah, he goes on little streaks inside it, the game, It was too. like he was kind of... He was kind of I felt like he had a hot third quarter and then... Start of the fourth, and then it just kind of tapered off. But it wasn't; it still wasn't a bad Chris Middleton game. He'll, but the thing about him is, yeah, he'll get buckets in in just clusters. I mean, it'll be like, he'll oh, be, Chris Middleton scored twelve of the last fifteen bucks points. Like, yeah, I mean, he outscored the Hawks in the entire fourth quarter one game. It was like eighteen to sixteen. It wasn't a great showing from the Hawks, but I mean, still, like, to score eighteen points in one quarter is phenomenal. People aren't scoring that for an entire game. Brooke Lopez had 17 points, six rebounds. I mean, we could talk about plus minus. Paul likes plus minus. I plus minus is not terrible, but like so yeah. So plus minus is just the point differential when they were on the court. Yes. So so it is noisy because you're on the court with nine other players, right? Four from your team, five from the other team. So if, you know, if Matt and I are playing on a team, and we're always playing against their best players, and then our best players are always playing against the other team's worst players, it's gonna look like we absolutely suck. Which we do. Yes. But <laughs> if we're playing against their worst players, it looks like we suck less. less. 
So that's where it gets to be noisy. So uh, we don't really need to go into the plus minus unless you want to, but I mean, none of the Bucks because they lost. I mean, the only Buck. Well, there were three. The only starting Buck that had a that had a positive plus minus was Giannis actually with a plus minus of one, and then you had Pat Connaughton who played twenty eight minutes have a plus minus um, a plus two, and then Jeff Teague. Had a plus one somehow. Which, yeah, Jeff Teague in an ideal world would not be getting playing time in an in NBA, NBA finals. finals. However, he played nine and a half minutes. And you're like, well, that's why they lost the game. But then you see he has a plus minus of plus one. And you're like, so they actually won the minutes technically that he was on the court. For those nine and a half minutes, they were ahead in the game. Which is... Kind of crazy, and I hope it doesn't mean that there's more Jeff Teague in the future because that just that does not seem like a winning strategy. Paul you, and I both know from experience that more Jeff Teague on the court is in fact not a winning strategy. And I mean Jeff Teague, he shot one for one. He shot one three pointer and he made it. That is a good Jeff Teague game. That is what you want from a Jeff Teague game. One rebound, one assist, one turnover, one foul. It's a very the one 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 game. The one of one one of one 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 one, plus one. Hey, there you. Ooh, that's actually kind of a fun. But he did line. have three points, so that's well because he made a three pointer. I, <laughs> I know. But anyway, but like so so the way I look at it, like PJ Tucker played how you expect him to play overall stats wise. Um, Drew Holiday played great defense like he always does. So his offensive game was off. But Chris Middleton. Was good offensively. Giannis was pretty good offensively. Bryn Forbes Lopez was, was good offensively. Yeah. Bryn Forbes was good. Um, Pat Connaughton was okay. Three for six aside, overall. Two for four from three. But right. Aside from Drew Holiday, for sure, and maybe Chris Middleton, I'm not sure where you look at and say, you need to play better for us to win. Well, here's the deal. He scored 29 points. So basically, what this what this tells me, right, is that for the Bucks to win... Drew Holiday needs to average about 18 to 24 points a game. Everything else is probably fine. Chris and, and still play great defense. Yeah, Chris Middleton needs to average about 34 points a game. And Giannis needs to average 30? Yeah. because I mean, I mean they got 17 from Brooke Lopez in this game. Right, because here's the thing. If we flip to the Suns... Let's talk some Suns. The Suns, the person who played the best... The person who played above where they normally do, at least points wise, was Chris Paul. He this scored thirty. Is, is true, he scored thirty-two points. He had a really good game. But like, and I think DeAndre Ayton played a little above points wise where he's been during the regular season. But postseason, it's it, the game he had was not really an aberration. It and it's nice. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about him in a minute. But Mikael Bridges had fourteen points. That's about average. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't great shooting either. You can look at that and. No, he shot 5 for 13. Jay Crowder shot 0 <laughs> for 8. Jay, 0 for 8. He Jay, had one, um, point. one point from a, th- a free throw, okay? And the team leading plus 19. Yeah, he was plus 19 and plus minus, team leading, which good for him. I love Jay Crowder because he's that player who gets in, does the dirty work, takes the charges, really like just a hustle, pesky player. I love Jay Crowder. He's awesome. But he's also he's a very streaky shooter. But I look and, at Michaela Bridges. And 0 for 8 is streaky on the bad side. Well, so like, okay, I look at Michaela Bridges, 5 for 13. Jay Crowder, 0 for 8. He can do better. Devin Booker, 
eight for 21. And then Booker takes some tough shots. But yeah, if campaign was four for eight, which was I think is a kind of about what he's been doing, maybe a little better. He had some tough shots too. Cam Johnson was three for six. Corey Tra- Craig doesn't really score many points. But here's the deal: Devin Booker scored twenty-seven points, and you're like, oh, well, that's a pretty good amount of points. But Devin Booker is fucking dangerous. Yeah, if, and that's like if Booker goes off for forty, you're not like what? No, here's like okay. So I, I don't I, think the Booker Suns are even at their apex. I mean, they played a really great game. I'm not taking anything away from the Suns, but this wasn't like an aberration where the Bucks should be like, oh, well, so-and-so got 70 points or whatever, whatever, and so we'll absolutely dominate game two. This is like, oh, they didn't play that much better than normal, and in fact, Jay Crowder was 0 for 8. He's going to have a game this series where he'll make five to seven threes. Mikhail Bridges only shot 38%. He's had, I mean, he shoots a pretty good percentage, and he's had multiple games where he shoots like 60%. Yeah. He will be better. Devin Booker will be better. Chris Paul won't have that kind of game every night, so you can count right. if, on that to not. You know, if, if you're going by law of right. averages, which you kind of are, you're going to say Chris Paul had a good game, but he's not going to have that good of a game on average. But Jay Except Crowder will have. he did close out the last series with 41 points, and now he has 32. Jay Crowder will have a better game. Right, and Chris Paul won't be that much worse. I don't expect him to average 32 points for the series. Although, I mean, Chris Paul is fucking hungry, man. I'm not saying, no disrespect to any other NBA players, I, I hate the whole, like, well, he wants it more thing. Everybody on the court wants the championship. But Chris Paul's like, God damn it, I've been doing this shit for 16 fucking years, and this is finally the first time I've gotten here. This is, this is his best chance, easily. That ever he's, that he's ever had and will ever have because lebron will Prob- be back next year probably yep this is i mean once you get to the finals and that's why Giannis is playing because once you get to the finals this is your shot i mean Giannis may not make it to another finals well, and so what, what is what's the date right now july 7th this might be a really good take in a year or less than a year this might be a really bad take let's hear it um, barring any health concerns, I'm already predicting that we're going to have a very NBA league office friendly Lakers Nets finals next year. If those teams are healthy, it, they're going to make the finals, I believe. Yep. And the NBA is not going to be upset about that. They will that. be super duper happy. Yep. And it's going to seven games and top row tickets are going to sell for like 20 grand. Yeah. So, I mean... I love this year because there are different teams competing. I think it's great. It's so good for the NBA. I wish the NBA believed that. I wish the NBA front office understood how good it is to have parity. How good yeah. it is to have different teams play. Because, look, LeBron's amazing, but it's kind of fucking boring for him to compete every goddamn year for a championship. It's like Tom Brady in the NFL, except the NFL does have more parity than the NBA. They, there are more, And that's one yep. thing I will give the NFL. And the NFL does actually promote their small market teams and they encourage them to do well. I do like that. Because right. the NBA is like, oh, the New York Knicks like, I mean, Tom, didn't absolutely suck this year. Tom Thibodeau gets coach of the year. Julius Randle gets most improved player of the year. Not that Julius Randle didn't inherently deserve it, but like, if he was on the Charlotte Hornets putting up those numbers, he wouldn't have been fucking picked. No, I mean, your boy Tom Brady, who you just mentioned, went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and just won a title in the NFL. Well, it was the Tampa Bay Toronto Raptors this year because Tampa doesn't even have an NBA team because it's apparently just too small a market? Too close to Orlando? Something. But still, it's like there is more of a parity in the NFL. 
I and mean, this, they have this the is, fucking Green Bay Packers. This is good. Yeah. This is good for the NBA to right. give, just to give hope to other teams and not be like, well, I guess Devin Booker is just going to leave us for the Clippers in five years. You know, or I guess Giannis is just going to sign with the Nets in three years. Well, the NBA better get ready, too, because I think, I mean, I'm hopeful that these younger guys are going to stay with their teams a little more. They seem to have a little more. Um, and this this is going off the topic a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little but bit. But they seem to be a little more loyal than, like, your LeBron era players. Like, LeBron, I, LeBron going to fucking Miami, all that shit. I mean, I don't think the players who have come in the past five years really do that. Like, Trey Young wants to be in Atlanta. Devin Booker wants well, to be in Phoenix. Carl Anthony Towns, for some fucking reason I don't understand, had said he <laughs> wants to be in Minnesota, and I, I kind of believe him. It's because he's being brainwashed or something. Yeah, but you know what? It's But people want to – people I, – I, the younger players seem to feel more pride. And, like, I want to show you that I can do this. Kind of like the players in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I think, it, I think it means more to them if you win a championship with the team you're drafted on. Yeah, and it's like you go back to like like your Reggie Millers, right? Like I have a lot of respect for Reggie Miller because he played for Indiana his entire career. He got really yep. close, didn't quite make it. He went against some fucking crazy Bulls teams in the Eastern Conference Finals, made a Finals once. But like, I respect that he was with that franchise forever. Carl Malone, fuck John Stockton because he's a QAnon conspiracy. Well, theorist. also fuck Carl but, Malone. Yeah, but a little less than John Stockton. What? <laughs> what? I don't love Carl Malone. I mean, he's not great, but anyway, those kind of players. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> We're going to talk after this. What's, well, tell me about Carl Malone. <laughs> no, that's talking after this. No, no, no. What's up? <laughs> Just go off. Uh, fuck Carl Malone's all I'm going to say. Why? Look, look it up for yourselves, sheeples. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Back. <laughs> Okay, no, you got you got to go on Carl Malone now. You, you brought uh, it up. Just no, go on it. Involves some some underage women. Oh really? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. All right. Well, fuck Carl Malone. So anyway, how about Michael Jordan? Yeah. Stay with the Bulls his yeah. entire career. Um. Anyway, there are players who um there are players who have stayed with the teams. Anyway, my whole point is, I see a difference between this generation. And even your Kevin Durant's and your LeBron James and your you know, those kind of players, right? James Harden's. And so to that credit, I think they need to re- rework the salary cap a little bit because small town teams can kind of be punished for giving players a super max. Yeah. And so I think I think there should be some sort of cap relief if you want to re-sign a player that you drafted. I think you should get some sort of exception to keep that player on that team. That's a great idea, Paul. That would solve some of the John Collins problem in Atlanta because they want him there. He wants to be there, but they may not be able to pay him because Oklahoma City or someone is just going to pay him too much. But if he has some sort of cap relief, the Suns would just be like, all right, Devin Booker's our dude. Like, He isn't leaving if he doesn't want to leave. Instead of, how can we build a team? Or the Bucks with Giannis or having to mortgage their future. They basically took out a loan against their future to get some of these players, especially Drew Holiday, to keep Giannis there to keep him happy. Yeah, like the Bucks in eight years are going to be really fucking bad. They are. And for I mean, a long time. And they're going for it now, but part of the reason they had to mortgage their future is because they didn't get any sort of cap relief signing Giannis. So. I like that idea. That's, that's just a small tangent. Anyway, um... I don't know how we got on that tangent, but I don't remember either. 
eh, whatever. We haven't had a we haven't had a good tangent that we didn't remember how we got on it for a while. So. That's where there's a fuck Carl Malone and fuck John Stockton in the middle there too. But yeah, like Carl Malone stuff I didn't know. That's that's pretty pretty fucked up. It's not overly surprising because he's kind of an asshole. I was just like John Stockton's really an asshole too. So you know, but also. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go there, but <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have brought that up again. All I right. mean, I'm sorry. Kind of fu- like not fuck the Utah Jazz, but kind of fuck the Utah Jazz because like their fans fucking suck. Yeah, that was really disheartening because they're too. fucking a, a lot of them. Not all of them. No, because there were some. But good a lot ones. of them are racist. A there, lot of them are assholes. A lot of them. There's always good ones, but there's that's a Salt Lake City is a toxic fucking environment. So yeah. Anyway, okay, back to the game. Anyway, what's something that stood out to you that the Suns did well? So, what the thing that I was impressed the most by with the Suns is what was their movement on offense. They played really, really good offensive basketball. They're a good defensive team. They're a really good defensive team. But I think it was their movement on offense, and I think it was their control of the ball and the pace, how they normally do. Um... I just thought they played really pretty basketball last night. And the adjustments the Bucks did make, which were kind of few and far between and usually too late, they didn't really seem to have an effect that much on the game the Suns were playing. So what what adjustments, let's say you're Coach Bud, what adjustments do you want to see the Bucks do in the next game? So I said this last night. Um, I think Drew Holiday... Needs, needs to, to shoot. Needs to shoot better. All right. No, I, Drew Holiday. <laughs> Drew Holiday needs to guard Chris Paul. He basically, I think, needs to match minute for minute Chris Paul, and guard the fuck out of him. So then because who, Drew Holiday is a bigger play. Look, look. You have, you have Devin Booker to worry about. I get that. Do you put PJ Tucker on Devin? You probably Booker? put PJ Tucker on Booker, even though Booker's quicker than Tucker. But Chris Paul was so good last night. Got everything he wanted. Was able to orchestrate the offense. Drew Holiday is one of the... I mean, he's a top three, arguably, perimeter defender in the NBA. He is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Yep. He's he's a lot bigger and more physical than Chris Paul. He's like three or four inches taller than Chris Paul. That really matters. Drew, Yeah, Drew Holiday is a pretty tall dude. He needs to be on him like flies on shit. He needs to be on him the whole fucking game. Every, every time Chris Paul goes, uh, goes out, Drew Holiday is out. Every time he goes in... He's in. Drew Holiday is younger than Chris Paul. He's more athletic right now. He needs to wear him the fuck down. If that's if I'm well, the coach, that's what I would do. So two things about that. On defense, Chris Paul was guarding PJ Tucker. Yep. Who just kind of stands in the corner and doesn't do a lot. And he gave right. he gave Chris Paul some rest. So that's not good. You need you basically need to be like, all right, PJ, you need to you need to like run around a little bit. You know, we can't just let Chris Paul stand there. Mm-hmm. Um that's one thing. The other thing is that the Bucks just switch. So even if Drew Holiday is guarding, Chris I know Paul, they switch, but they they need to fucking not in game right. two. Right, that's, well, that's my whole point. Like that's they need to not. That's switch. the adjustment, though. It's right. not so, necessarily Drew Holiday guarding Chris Paul. It's Drew Holiday guarding Chris Paul after a screen comes up and gets set. Well, sure. They, I mean, yeah, they need to they need to not switch. They need to play more man to man defense. It'll be interesting if they can make that happen. Well. I mean, you want to win the fucking finals, you're going to have to. Because I here's one thing that drives me fucking nuts. I'm not even close, nor ever will be an NBA coach, and I don't have a an nth of the of a percent of any knowledge that they have. Respect to NBA coaches. But one thing I don't understand, and maybe it's just like short sightedness, or like you're so in everything. I know schemes are important. I get that. I know, like, and especially 
Bud is like, I build this scheme out, and like he's the architect, and da 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 da. Yep. That's his thing. He's kind of like the mad scientist, right? <laughs> but like, sometimes if your scheme doesn't work, sometimes okay, you have like the best. Here's a good example: the Philly series against Atlanta. You had three players that were first and second team All NBA defense, two of which. Can guard perimeter players. Ben Simmons can guard one through five. I mean, people pretty, pretty are giving well, Ben actually, Simmons yeah. a lot of shit, but he's an amazing defensive player. Yep. Matisse Thybul is fucking locked down, crazy good. How could they not stop Trey Young? I know Trey Young is good, but like, I feel like sometimes teams sacrifice their best players' natural abilities just for scheme, especially with someone like Bud. So it's like. You have Drew Holiday. I get that your whole defense is predicated on switching and this and this and that. Yep. And, like, that's a huge fucking adjustment to change it. I'm sure. But Drew Holiday is one of the best one-on-one defenders, especially on the perimeter in the NBA. He can get steals. He can be pesky. He can lock you up. He can make you lose the ball. He makes you work for it, he too. Ma- yeah, he makes you work for it. So why not say, you know what? That really didn't fucking work. Chris yeah, Paul when- torched us. We're changing it up in game two. Right. And if Aiden, it doesn't work Aiden, in game two. Aiden comes to set the screen. You hedge super hard. Force him back. Yep. Okay, well now, you know, now Brooke Lopez is out of position. But then you can rotate around, try to figure that out. I mean, it's just something different. You just need to throw different looks at him. Hell, even try playing zone for a little bit. I don't care. Yeah, sure. Do something. Your your defense for the Bucks was just not getting the stops that they needed to. That defense throughout the series will not win. And it was, so what's interesting is when they took Brooke Lopez out, I thought Brooke was going back in. The reason he was out was not his offense. His offense was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It's his defense. And that's when they made the little run in the fourth, and I was like, oh, man, are they going to put Brooke in? Brooke set out the entire fourth quarter. And, I mean, they obviously ended up losing by 13, but it was because they didn't want him in there on defense. And well, so, they had Giannis guarding Aiton. And Giannis got eight up. Honestly, here's what I want to see another adjustment for the Bucks to make. I want to see more Bobby Portis on DeAndre Ayton. He only played like, you can bring it up, but he only played like 14 or 18 minutes in the game. Um, Bobby Portis played 14 minutes. 14, yeah. I'd love to see him a little more on Ayton. Have him take Jeff Teague's minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Portis should not. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Pat Connaughton, the Bucks are high on him. I'm not that high on Pat Connaughton. He's fine. He plays pretty good defense. I he's, think he's fine. He he knows his role on the team, which is I important. don't disagree, but he played 28 minutes, and Bobby Portis played 14. Yeah, again, when you're playing Pat Connaughton, 28, Jeff Teague, nine and a half minutes, you just you, you can't really look around and say, why did we lose this game? Frankly, I would say give Bryn Forbes Jeff Teague's minutes. Take he, about oh, – take Bryn, about Bryn Forbes gets – crushed on defense is the problem that's true that's true i guess he can't play a lot more than what he played he, he played 12 minutes but he, he's he got caught because he would get switched and then try to guard eight that's true but he's good offensively though he is he good that, be, that's why he was in at the end of the game because right. they just needed someone to get in there and shoot but regardless i think bobby portis needs to play more because he has shown when he plays more he can he's be good. good i mean he he's productive so yeah. i try it Bobby Portis again. He's also kind of a pest. He's a big body. He's the he's crazy eyes, as they call him. Like crazy eyes. I mean, he's he's a he's a tough player that I think again throw like Paul said, throw different looks. 
if they come out and do the same shit they did in game one, they will make obviously some adjustments. If, like, it's the, if it's still the overall same scheme, then Phoenix is going to be like, okay, cool. So we just do the exact same thing and win. Right. I will, to Phoenix's credit, they've always been good about slowing the pace and turnovers. And by that, I mean not creating turnovers. And that's sort of, those are Chris Paul staples. The Bucks at least seem to get a lot of points based on turnovers, right? It's like Giannis is out in transition or Drew Holiday is really good in transition. And a lot of those points just didn't really happen because Phoenix just didn't really turn it over too much. And they may not happen because of the way that Phoenix runs their offense. And the thing I look forward to in game two, I expect the Bucks to make a good adjustment, but so will the Suns because Monty Williams is a hell of a coach. That guy, his between game adjustments. So what do you think? The, really good. What do you think the Suns should do going into Game Two? Well, so two things I want to see. I know you like this a lot, and I liked it too. Devin Booker was a facilitator last night, which he had, was he had which some was really nice. nice passes. Yeah, I want to see him be more aggressive offensively. Actually, kind of like a Chris Middleton type situation where I want to see third quarter. Right out of the gate, Devin Booker come out and score like 15 points. I'd love to. I just I want to see him like jump start. See, I'm looking offense. at this again. I mean, Booker shot one for eight from three. Oh yeah, and that's not going to happen. That's going to go up. That's but yeah. He had, he had six assists, which were and they were some nice assists. And too. he got to like the line ten times and shot in. ten for ten from the from the free throw line. Like he yep. was he had the ball. I'm not. I mean, he he shot it 21 times, but. He's such I, I a gifted like, offensive player. I would like to see him shoot it about 25 or six times, honestly. So, yeah, what what I'll say for my adjustment is, why is Mikhail Bridges shooting it 13 times? Like, he shot 5 for 13. Jay Crowder shot 0 for 8, obviously. But the two of them combined for 21 attempts. Unless they're wide open looks, which they weren't all wide open looks last night. I think Mikhail Bridges should be down to about 8 to 10 shots a game. Uh, I think Jay Crowder, I don't mind eight shots a game. Um, but but some of his were not great shot attempts. So how about that's, this? That's it, sort of if he's five for eight or six for eight, I'm cool with eight shots. Right. <laughs> I mean, that. It, yeah, but if, if you're 0 for six. Yeah. Sure. I, I wouldn't mind, in that case, some of those shots going to Booker. I would also actually like to see. So this might not be a finals adjustment. This may be a next year adjustment. I would like to see DeAndre Ayton get a few more looks. Because he only shot it. I mean, Mikhail Bridges shot it more than DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton only shot it 10 times. Yeah, and he, I mean, he is crazy efficient. And is that because he only shoots it so few times when it's really close to the rim? But he was also 6 for 6 from the free throw line. Shout out DeAndre Ayton. Shout out DeAndre. Big man getting his free throws down. That, I mean, that matters. Oh, yeah. Because then you just can't hack him at the end of a game. So I guess that's, I mean, I don't know. I just, and that's me. I, I also love to see, like, Devin Booker is such a great scorer in these big moments. And, like, look, Chris Paul wants to be the finals MVP. This is, like, this is what the media wants. They want him to be finals MVP, crowned, da-da-da-da. It's the, this, like, golden, you know, whatever crown on the top of this, his career. Especially like, after this game one. Exactly. Yeah, so, but, like, Devin Booker is such a fucking gamer, man. And, and I want to see him go out and score fucking 50. Oh, yeah. I mean... Even if Chris Paul gets finals MVP and they win the series, it's not going to be only Chris Paul. It's a, a lot of Devin Booker is there too. 
I would also make the argument if DeAndre Ayton plays this well every single game, you could make a dark horse argument for DeAndre Ayton for Finals MVP. Yeah, we I need mean, to talk about DeAndre Ayton. He so I was saying this to Paul last night when we were watching the game. So DeAndre Ayton, he had twenty two points and nineteen rebounds. Beast, massive, beastly. Um, DeAndre Ayton to me. So I said earlier we mentioned the New York Knicks and we're talking about the league, yada yada, whatever. Julius Randle was most improved player throughout the NBA season. I said to Paul, if there was a most improved player from the beginning of the season to like the end of the playoffs, it would be DeAndre Ayton to me without yeah, question. Or, and the or, way I, the way I kind of said that is whose stock has risen the most? Yes. Because Julius Randle, like his stock, you know, just how much teams want him, so to speak. <laughs> right. Rose a lot during the regular season. Well, and then now, I mean, you know, they DeAndre Ayton was chosen number one in that uh, that very notorious 2018 draft where Number one was Aiton. Number three was Luca. Number five was Trey Young. And a lot of people gave the Suns a ton of shit for taking DeAndre Aiton first. But you know what? If, if they win this year, if they win a title, no one's given. No one's giving him any shit anymore. And he has gone from. And he's been good too. So that's the thing. He's he DeAndre DeAndre Aiton has gone from. I would say throughout the regular season, he was probably a top 10 center in the league. Like, okay, this guy's pretty good. He's improved every year. He's looking pretty nice this year. He has yeah. lim- He's limited on offense, but he's a good defender. He's a great rebounder. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He has nice hands. A lot of great qualities about his game. But he doesn't – he's not, you know, Joel Embiid. He's not Nikola right. Jokic. He's right. He's not a f- the focal point of the offense. No, but I think he's probably a top five center right now. Oh, that might be a little bit of a hot take. So I think he he has been very good. I don't I don't know where he'd rank in a center's rank. So but yeah, he's so to me he's very very good. quickly. Jokic, Joel Embiid, and I'm a homer, but Carl Anthony Towns probably the top three centers. I think. Then you have Bam. Maybe. And then Aiton, I think. Maybe Giannis, depending on where he's. That's where it gets. Giannis is a forward. That's where it I gets mean, crazy. Is like, a forward. is Anthony Davis a center? No, he's he, a forward. He plays opinion. some center, regardless. I'm talking about guys who occupy the center position. Yeah. In and more, I would in even, more traditional. I would center. also even argue that DeAndre Aiton might be better than Bam right now. I mean, Bam is really good. I'm not, but like DeAndre Aiton is. He's been really good these I mean, playoffs. I think DeAndre Ayton's probably put himself into a top 25 player conversation Ooh, in getting, the NBA. He's getting pretty hot. He's really good, man. He, he is. He has been really good. And mean, it's one of those things where Paul 20, and I always try like, I try 20, not to make... 22 and 19, though, is fantastic. I mean, I make hot takes a lot. And sometimes I make hot takes just like to say shit. Like when I said <laughs> Nick Nurse was going to get fired, it was just to say shit. But like... But I mean, there, there was a little glimmer of possibility behind Yeah, it. at one point. But... But that was luck. Paul and I, especially when it comes to watching NBA players, I try and just, like, take in what I'm seeing and, like, okay, if someone's good, they're good. Right. You know, you shouldn't put a caveat on things, and you shouldn't put, like, parameters on things. It's like, if they're fucking good, they're good. DeAndre Ayton is good. Like, really good. Like, really, really good. Yeah. His his feel and just, like, his hands really have really impressed me. He's made some tough catches when he's rolling to the rim. He's had some nice finishes. 
And his defensive rebounding is one of was, the most impressive parts. I was going to say, me, just, to just getting game. rebounds too. The way that he gets rebounds, if you watch it, is really impressive because his his nose for where the ball is going to land is incredible. It actually reminds me of like early Kevin Love, when Kevin Love just and Kevin Love is like not athletic, but he just knew where the ball was going to go, and also just really good at boxing out. Yeah, sometimes it's just that's doing, true. It's just doing the work. So shout out to DeAndre Ayton, man. Oh yeah, big hell shout of a out. run. Big and shout. I mean, out. he's like twenty-two. That's the crazy thing. So we're talking about how good he is right now. His offensive game is like so small compared to what it could be. And he, I saw after the game last night, he's getting a lot of Tim Duncan comparisons, which I like. Yeah. Shit, if you're getting compared to Tim Duncan, you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, the there's only one other adjustment I can think of right now yeah. that I want to see from the Suns, and we'll just say that to wrap this up. Giannis looked like he committed multiple offensive fouls last night, and they just weren't being called, and that's that's fine. That's just how it's going to be sometimes. I might try to coach Aiton and Crowder, who are probably the two primary Giannis defenders in Game Two, to just stand there with your hands up. And maybe even embellish the contact a little bit. And I kind of hate saying that because I hate flopping in all its entirety. But I also understand that in order to get calls, if someone's ramming themselves in your chest and you just take it, it may not get called all the time. That happened at least twice with Aiden last night. And I think it happened a few times with Crowder also. And, I mean, it's kind of one of those superstar calls type of thing. They're just going to get away with it, but... I think there might be ways you can demonstrate that contact was created without necessarily flopping it. And so maybe just kind of, I even, I feel so dirty even saying this, but exaggerate the contact a little bit more. Because if Giannis is just going to go through, he's going to score anyway. Or just, I mean, just let your body go limp, basically. Don't, I mean, that, don't, don't try, don't, how about, that, don't, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't try to absorb the contact. That, let that's the what contact I'm, hit you and just. That's what I'm saying. Allow the contact to be demonstrative. Yes. Because if, again, if he's just going to go straight through you, he's going to score anyway. So you might as well just sort of try to take the charge. And that was, I mean, if they could, because the Bucks will go to Giannis early to get that offense going, to get him going. Especially with the injury, I think they want to kind of keep him fresh and everything. So, if they could draw a couple fouls early on Giannis, that would be ideal. Yep. It's it's just frustrating as a fan watching someone just, like, steamroll someone else and not get called for a foul. Which is, I mean, it's been happening all year. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns coaching staff goes to the NBA and is like, Hey, by the way, when are you going to call this? All right, we get the whole 10-second free throw thing. You're not going to call that. Fine, whatever. Which is bullshit. Which is bullshit. Which is really bullshit. But also, maybe can you call the offensive fouls then? So, that would be my only other adjustment. I think that's fair. Um, I'm excited for game two. I think it'll be a good game. I think, I mean, I have no predictions for it. I'm excited to watch game two. So. Me too. Until next time, I think that's all we have. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Thanks for listening to Basketballers.